Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We are your staff writers for Swamp 24-7. Blake, it's been an interesting Really, last week or two, uh, you know, pro sports starting to start back up. You know, the NBA is getting some some exhibition games in. Major League Baseball obviously has started up their season. And not surprisingly, Blake, I know we kind of knew this was going to happen at some point, but there have been positive coronavirus tests popping up in some of these sports, and obviously that's going to create a challenge. Blake, one thing in talking to Florida Athletics Director Scott Strickland a couple weeks ago that really stood out was that, you know, Scott Strickland and, and the SEC, Commissioner Greg Sankey, one of the things they really harped on was they wanted to see how the pro sports leagues kind of unfold. You know, they wanted to see them kind of successfully pull off a model because the, the pro sports have the ability to kind of set more stringent rules. They can operate inside of a bubble in the case of the NBA, uh, stuff like that. So they're, they're able to set better guidelines um, and not knowing, you know, exactly how that's going to play out. It makes it tough for, for college administrators to really figure out how they're going to go. Blake, based on, you know, what's kind of happening in, in, I think, Major League Baseball in particular, you know, the Marlins at this point have had, I think, 19 players test positive and basically now have already gotten to the point where they're, they have seven games that have been postponed and will need to be made up. Uh, I think it's kind of illustrating some of the challenges that we're likely to see in the coming weeks here when it comes to, you know, not just the pro sports starting back up, but potentially college. Yeah, it certainly seems like the MLB at least is it's kind of a guinea pig for some of the other sports. Like you said, it's it's easy in the NBA's case when you have the bubble. I, I think that's where you can kind of control things and you start getting into football, you start getting into baseball, other sports. It's it's a little bit out of your control just because you're letting nature creep in. So you know, at this point, I think it's it's worth keeping an eye on baseball. I will say I was excited to have a chance to watch some professional sports on TV. It was nice not watching, you know, where it says replay at the top or, okay. you know, we're on the commercials where it's like, oh, we're going to move ahead in the broadcast. You know, they don't do that in live sports. So it's it's been, uh, you know, personally nice to, you know, get a chance to watch. You don't even really watch baseball like that, but I've actually watched it, I think, just because I've been so desperate to watch some sports. So I'm I'm interested. It is a little concerning for me just as a fan of sports when you see how things have kind of gone for the Marlins where they've, you know, put some, you know, a pause on their season for right now at least. Um, It's uncharted. You know, we're kind of seeing where things go forward. But, uh, you know, it does seem like baseball is kind of the guinea pig for college sports and, and even maybe even professional football. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's good that we're getting to see this now because I think, you know, baseball only, what, three or four days into the season and already, you know, you've got one team that's basically, I mean, you have 19 players, you're basically fully quarantined, you know, and if they're going to go through the protocols of, you know, having to sit out 10 days from a positive test or two weeks if you've been in contact with somebody that's tested positive, I mean, that that takes a big chunk out of your season. I think in college, maybe that's, college football, maybe that's a little more doable where that's only one to two games when you're talking about baseball and, you know, they're playing 60 something games in a condensed schedule, it gets real hard real quickly to make up those games. Now 
like I will say the good news is it seems like for now the issue is just contained to the Marlins. You know, they, they played a series against the Phillies. And uh, for right now, you know, no Phillies players have really turned up positive. So that, that's a good sign in terms of, you know, whether or not it's spreading within the clubhouses or actually on the field, you know, as they're playing. Um, you know, that could always change. Obviously, you know, the virus takes a little bit to manifest itself. And, you know, there's nothing to say that maybe the Phillies players don't start to turn up positive in the next couple of days. But, you know, that's the whole point of being able to monitor these pro leagues. We're going to get a real test case of how this might work if we're going to do the college game. Um, and I think, you know, you can look at that two ways. You can look at it and say, man, it's going to be really challenging for the major leagues. You know, if another team or two has an outbreak inside their clubhouse, I think you get to the point where it gets really challenging to, to carry out the entire season. But on the flip side, if you do have, you know, a flare up like this within one team and you're able to successfully contain it and, and it doesn't spread via the playing field, um, that's potentially a really positive sign. Now, again, things are obviously different between baseball and football. You know, there's a lot less contact in baseball, uh, generally speaking, than, than there is football. Uh, not only that, but you have a, a lot fewer players in baseball than football. So you're talking, you know, the management of it's a little bit easier, you know, when you're talking 30, 40 something players on a roster as opposed to 120. Um, but Blake, I think, I think at this point it's safe to say that, you know, from the college standpoint in terms of particularly college football, the timeline seems to be pretty intact. You know, they, they returned to workouts, uh, voluntary workouts a while ago, and then mandatory workouts kicked in uh, a little after that. And, and on July 24th, uh, last Friday, you know, the coaches were able to finally get out there and start supervising some of these walkthroughs with players. So they're back out there on the field. And that's, you know, that's obviously an encouraging sign. You know, we'll have to continue to monitor these things, you know, to see how many players are being quarantined at any given time. You know, obviously that can throw a wrench into the things. But Blake, as it stands right now, we seem to be on track to start fall camp on August 7th. I mean, that's only a week and a half away, um, you know, barring some drastic change, you know, and I, I would say the MLB having to shutter things down would certainly be that kind of change. Um, but if that doesn't happen, it sure seems like we're going to be on track to at least start fall camp and kind of see how it goes from there. So with that said, Blake, I, I wanted to talk to you about a topic that's, that's kind of interesting to me. And really, you know, as you get into, previewing a season this is something we always talk about you know particularly in article format on swamp247.com but Blake I wanted to talk about some of the guys we're most excited about individually getting a chance to see not just in fall camp but as we get into the season Um, and so I I wanted for us to each kind of list the offensive and defensive player that we're most excited to see this season uh, talk a little bit about why and then also you know the newcomer that we're most excited to see this season so I'll go ahead and let you lead it off who's the offensive player you are most excited to see this season you know for me I think when you look at Florida last year and you see the struggles they had on the offensive line and it kind of spread things over you know to the running game and it really did put a lot on Kyle Trash's shoulders mind you he I think he shouldered that weight really well I think he showed promise in the season and you know I think he did about everything exceeded my expectations and did everything that you would expect him to do as a quarterback of a team like Florida and, and what he'd done but that being said you bring in a guy like Stuart Reese uh, just the ability I think what makes it most intriguing for me is a I, I was a little bummed to not be able to see the progressions of some of these other offensive linemen for Florida during the spring football season. There's a lot of guys, I think, for the most part, 
that you kind of understand are going to be the starting five, but it's kind of past that where you see like, okay, well, who is this guy that Florida can count on if somebody goes down? Who's the first rotational guy? Is there somebody that, you know, maybe we're not talking about that's going to step up and be that guy? That's kind of some of the questions that you maybe get answered in the spring. And I think that that was the thing I was the most bummed about. Um, But you bring a guy like Stuart Reese in, his ability to kind of be a swing guy at guard and tackle, I think helps Florida sure up a lot of things. Um, I think just even maybe pinpointing a little bit more. I think if you throw a guy like that at right tackle, I think that that brings some, uh, it brings a little bit more strength compared to maybe Jean DeLance last year for Florida, who I thought at times really did struggle. So I think the most interesting thing that I'm most excited about on offense is a guy like Stuart Reese, because I think he is, I think he's one of the biggest transfer portal guys that Florida's landed so far since that's become a thing. I think the the ability he brings to kind of move around on the offensive line on top of being a guy that understands the system, understands the coaching that Florida brings. So I, I think overall, I think he, he's an exciting piece that I'm interested to see how he affects Florida's offensive line. Yeah, there's no question that he's going to be, you know, a big difference maker on that offensive line, if for no other reason than because now you have a little bit of depth. You know, that was kind of an issue last year. There, there weren't enough younger guys that were ready to step up and kind of challenge the starters. Uh, and so, you know, you saw it when, you know, Chris Bleich was kind of struggling a little bit. Florida didn't really have anybody to turn to and, and kind of say, hey, you know, let's put him in there and see what works. Uh, I think now that you have all of those, you know, the four starters that are returning have an extra year of experience. Um, Ethan White, you know, whether or not you consider him a starter, uh, he got a val- valuable amount of snaps in there last year. Um, so you're, you're having more guys, more depth. And then I think, like you said, the versatility uh, to be able to play kind of anywhere on that line, that, that's a potentially significant factor for Florida. Like that kind of leads into my offensive player selection, the guy I'm most excited to see. I, I can't get too excited about an offensive lineman. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, you know, when we talk about uh, certainly I'm, I'm not downplaying the, the importance of Stuart Reese. Uh, but when it comes to me about guys I'm excited to see, I always I always kind of default to the skill players. Um, I was between a couple guys here, uh, but I'm going to go with Damian Pierce, you know, running back Damian Pierce. I think, obviously, he's got big shoes to fill with Michael Pirine moving on. And I don't think Damian Pierce is going to be able to replicate what Pirine did as a pass catcher. That said, I think when you look at the, you know, the stuff we just talked about with Florida having a deeper, more experienced offensive line, I think Pierce is going to have more opportunities in the run game than Pirine did a year ago. I just think you're going to see this line start to get more comfortable, start to gel. You know, I look back to the the 2018 season when Florida's offensive line started off, you know, again, first time in that system, you know, those guys actually had a little bit of experience at the college level. Um, But even so in a new system, it took them, you know, probably six, seven games to really start to gel. And it really wasn't until the last three or four that you saw that 2018 line kind of starting to move people around. And I think you're going to see the same type of thing this season when it comes to Florida's offensive line. I think you're going to see them gel. And I think you're going to see, um, hopefully you're going to see, uh, you know, these guys really start to open some holes for Damian Pierce. And I think, I think Damian Pierce is a guy that can absolutely, you know, do some things with his leg. You look at the, the lower body strength that he has, the ability to push the pile, I'm not sure that Florida's had an explosive, powerful runner uh, like him in quite some time. So I I think Damian Pierce is going to be a a big factor in the run game. I am very curious to see, you know, if working on his hands is something he can improve. Um, But I I think he's a guy that's going to – I honestly think he's going to be capable of putting up a 1,000-yard season. And I think part of that is I'm not sold on the guys behind him, but I feel really strongly about what Damian Pierce can add to the run game. I totally agree. I think that he's an interesting piece. Um, 
because we were, I mean, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that, I mean, this is a Damian Pierce fan account right here. I think we were both high on him last year. When you look at uh, that type of just different running style he brought, um, I think when you see what he did to Florida's offense, kind of that, you know, burst of a player that can kind of get those extra yards um, a little bit tougher in between the tackle, not to say that Lamarco Pirine wasn't, but he just, he has a different dynamic to his running style. And I'm really interested to see that this season for Florida. Um, when you look at, even a guy like Lorenzo Lingard, I think Florida's running back room at this point is intriguing in the fact that you're not totally sure what you're bringing or what you're getting um, because a Pierce. Yes. I think we have an idea of what he brings, but we don't totally know because he hasn't been the guy for Florida. Lorenzo Lingard is another guy who was a highly touted guy coming out of, uh, you know, high school five, former five-star player. Um, But again, you know, hasn't really had the reps at Miami. So you're not really sure. So I think it does make it exciting to see that Florida, you think you have an idea, you think there's going to be some guys that can contribute but you really don't totally know um but i do think that pierce is one of those guys that did show a lot of promise for florida last year yeah i'm excited to see him play all right blake i'll take over and tab my defensive player i'm most excited to watch i think when you look at what jonathan grenard did last year and you look at what transfers have been able to do at florida uh immediately if dan mullen and his staff brings in a guy that they've seen play a little bit at the college level i'm intrigued because i think dan mullen and his staff are absolutely top-notch talent evaluators. And I think their approach to the transfer portal has been, we're only grabbing guys that we think can immediately step in and be starters. So I'm going to go with former Georgia transfer and former five-star prospect, Brenton Cox. Uh, I think he's going to be able to step in pretty seamlessly for Jonathan Grenard. You know, the buck rush end position is a a spot where Florida has obviously a ton of bodies. You know, I actually think they probably have too many of the leaner pass rush types. And when you look at Brenton Cox, he's a bigger uh, a little bit bigger body, similar to Jonathan Grenard, where I think he can not only play the buck, but he could potentially play some on the strong side as well. Uh, not knowing exactly, you know, what Jeremiah Moon is going to be at in terms of his health, you know, coming off an injury, he seems to always kind of struggle with that foot. You know, it's a recurring injury. Um, he's a guy that obviously you would trust production-wise there, but until we see him out there and we see him stay healthy for a sustained period of time, it's hard to put too many eggs in that basket. I think Brenton Cox, you know, he's got SEC experience. He played as a true freshman at Georgia. Um, and look, if you can play as a true freshman at Georgia with the way they've recruited in recent years, you've got to be pretty good. You know, will he be Jonathan Grenard? I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm not ready to say that. But I think in terms of intrigue, when you talk about guys that we're most excited to see, particularly in fall camp as that opens up, he's a guy that you're going to want to watch. You know, I remember watching Jonathan Grenard a year ago in fall camp and um, you know, this was a year after Ja'Kai Polite was kind of just an absolute terror off the edge. And so, you know, I remember, you know, we watched Jonathan Grenard in fall camp and he didn't necessarily fit that same profile as Ja'Kai Polite. You know, he wasn't quite as lightning quick off the edge, um, you know, probably offered a little bit something different in terms of his ability to set the edge against the run where maybe that wasn't polite strength. I'm curious to see what Brenton Cox brings to the table, you know, what mold he kind of fits in. Is he more of a a Grenard type where he can play both buck and then, and then also set the edge for you against the run. Uh, Or is he more exclusively kind of a pass rush type? And then, you know, Florida will have to figure out, you know, with, with some other guys, what it's got there. Um, You know, there's a lot of guys that I could go for on defense. I thought Kyrie, Kyrie Elam was another one that I nearly went uh, because I think he's poised for a huge season after kind of just flashing and scratching the surface as a freshman. But for me, it's Brenton Cox, you know, Todd Grantham's defense, the way they get after the passer, He's got the potential to put up huge numbers, in my opinion. 
you know, I think that's a good pick too in the sense that uh, since you've seen Mullen, um, you've seen Todd Grantham in Gainesville, uh, you know, it's been one of those things to where it doesn't matter if it's a guy on the roster, it doesn't matter if it's a guy they brought in through the transfer portal. They understand a way to make that buck position successful. Um, they're really good coaches of figuring out what type of player. I think that's a good question to ask. And you have a guy kind of like Polite or do you have a guy kind of like Grenard? And then you kind of you plan your next move or how you want to use that guy. And I think just the proofs in the pudding. I mean, look at the last two years. It's been a high position that Florida's gotten a lot of impact from. Ja'Kai Polite, a guy. Then you turn around the next year and you get another guy through the portal in Grenard. I just think that Todd Grantham really knows how to use that position, knows how to utilize it a lot. They obviously have a lot of uh, pieces in there. Um, but like you said, you've got a guy like Brenton Cox, who was a really highly heralded guy coming out of high school. And I think it's going to be interesting to see a guy with that talent level fit into a position where Florida's going to find a way to use them. And, and I think you can take it to the bank that, you know, they're going to, they're, they're going to find a way to be successful there. Um, you just kind of have to figure out your X's and O's part. And, and it probably does stink in a sense that you did miss spring football. You don't really get to test yeah, in certain ways. Great. It would have been big for Florida, not to say that, you know, he's going to be lost or they're lost or anything, but I think it does leave a, maybe a little bit more questions about what you do, how are you going to do this or, uh, you know, just kind of how he's going to respond to certain situations. But for me, I'm going to stick on the defense kind of in the same mold. I did actually think about Kyir Elam. I think he's a really exciting player for Florida. I think he's going to be a guy that does have a really good career. But for me, I think as far as exciting goes, you know, guy I'm really excited to see is Mahmoud Diabate. Uh, that kind of role to where, yes, he's one of those guys that can be that buck edge rusher type of guy. But from all I've, you know, I've heard this year that Florida's going to want to try to use him in a little bit different ways. They're going to try to move him around in their linebacker, uh, you know, in different spots. Um, obviously, he can drop back into some coverage here. I just think the fact that they're a little bit more comfortable putting him in different situations uh, this coming season, I think it's going to be an exciting player. Um, you know, even SEC Nation, or excuse me, it was SEC Channel, um, actually tabbed him as one of the uh, number one, uh, you know, newcomer, you know, up and coming type guys in the SEC. And I, I can see it. You know, I think when you've got a guy like that that you can put in different situations you saw him flash last year especially in that Vanderbilt game to where he knows how to you know really kind of rush the passer and can and have a big impact there thanks in that regard Right. You know, he has really good instincts getting to the passer, but I think this year you're going to see him kind of take a little bit more of a role. I think that type of, you know, a guy that can rush the edge on third down, but also is, you know, kind of elusive enough or, or can move good enough to drop back into coverage. I think that's the type of uh, mold at linebacker you're going to see Florida try to recruit going forward. And I'm interested to see how he is going to fit into that equation for Florida this year. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about linebacker being maybe the one question mark we really have on defense. You know, obviously, you know, they've got some pieces to replace along the defensive line. But for me, David Reese is kind of the guy that, you know, Florida has to replace. And I think when you look at Florida's linebackers over the last couple of years, really since, you know, Alex Anzalone and Jared Davis departed, you just haven't had that high level of athleticism at that position. And I think when you, you look at what, you know, Diabate did last year, he is highly athletic. And if they can start to bulk him up and allow him to run around at the same speed, he's a guy that can be a serious, serious impact player. It will be interesting to see. You know, like how many of his snaps he lines up, you know, kind of in that more rush in role or how much they move him around, you know, in the formation, depending on what they're trying to do, disguise looks, that kind of thing. But I do think, you know, he's he's one guy that I think will help improve the athleticism at that linebacker position. There's I got to tell you, Blake, there's a lot of younger guys at that spot that I'm excited to see. You know, Tyron Hopper, I think, is a guy that could really flash. Uh, I'd expect, you know, true freshman Derek Wingo to make an impact. Um, you know, leading into our, our next question about, you know, the, the newcomer we're most excited about. I think both you and I, you know, at least considered Wingo for that. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who you'll pick, 
Uh, but I'll go ahead and say the newcomer I'm most excited to see is Xavier Henderson. Um, you know, obviously a very, very talented receiver. You know the kind of athletic genes he's got, you know, coming from the same family as CJ, you know, and obviously CJ tore it up at the NFL Combine uh, in route to being the number nine pick overall in the draft. Uh, this is a guy that has terrific size at wide receiver, really has the explosive breakaway ability that I think Florida hasn't necessarily missed. You know, I thought they had very productive senior receivers last year. But you didn't necessarily have, a, a you know, a guy that was a, a playmaker in the mold of a Stephon Diggs or a Jerry Judy. I think Xavier Henderson has some of that potential, you know, maybe not quite to that degree. Um, but he's a guy that I think when you look over the years of, you know, these freshman receivers that step in and make an immediate impact, to me, he's one of those guys, and uh, I think this year it sets up perfectly, having lost those four senior receivers, uh, for him to step in and make a quick impact. And I think, you know, the fact that Florida does have some quality options returning in guys like Kyle Pitts and Trayvon Grimes and Jacob Copeland and Kadarius Toney, I think that takes the pressure off of Henderson a little bit. Um, and not that guys can't rise to the opportunity, uh, you know, when there is that sort of pressure, um, but I think it really allows Florida's coaches to have the patience with him to bring him along at his own speed. You know, one thing that Dan Mullen and his staff are very good at doing is building confidence in young players. You see it in the way they've kind of, you know, approached the Emory Jones ramp up, kind of very slowly nudging him forward, making sure that he's only doing things that he's comfortable with, that he builds that confidence. And then as they expand more, uh, you know, that confidence level just snowballs. I think you're going to see that with Xavier Henderson. I don't think it'll be a slow ramp up as a guy like, you know, Emory Jones over the last two years. I think you're going to see him get involved a lot quicker. Um, but I'm really, really excited to see, you know, what a guy with his level of explosiveness, his speed, uh, coupled with his length can do in an offense that we know has a good trigger man in Kyle Trask. Yeah, that's a good pick. You know, I, yes, Florida has some some guys that do come back. You know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, at least for where I'm at there. It's just the fact that they've lost so many of those seniors, guys that really understood the offense, guys that really understood things. Um you know, Jacob Copeland, Kyle Pitts. I mean, there are plenty of guys, Trevon uh, Grimes, you know, there are plenty of guys that you, you have an idea that they're going to be a guy for Florida this year that someone they can count on. But I think Henderson has the size. I think he has the speed. Um, I, I think he's one of those guys that I, I'm excited to see how he fares because I do think he's a guy that could make an impact early in college. Um, it's just, it's going to be exciting to see how he responds to things because, you know, at the end of the day, you just truly never know how a freshman is going to respond. Um, and, you know, in that next big pond that they get in. But for me, it's Jervon. Von Dexter, defensive side, five-star player. Um, I just, I'm really excited about what he brings to the table. You know, just with the fact that he he is a big-time athletic guy with some big-time size. You know, he's he's been raw in the sense that you know this is a basketball guy, um, kind of originally that has learned how to play football, has continued to get a better idea for what he can do. And you know, if I do this move in this setting, this is what it does. Um, I'm really interested, I guess even more so excited to see how he would fare with you know a guy like David Turner or even some of these guys that are you know high level college football coaches that are going to get guys like that that are very talented, have a lot of raw untapped potential, but actually kind of clean things up. Um, I think that Jervon Dexter is going to be a beast at Florida. You know, I, I don't know if I'm going ahead and calling my shot now, and I don't even know if that's really a hard shot to say that a five-star player has a chance to be good. But I, I think just the raw, untapped potential he has, I still think that you know even a guy that's a five-star player is going to have his better years ahead of him, which is kind of crazy to say, but I think he's one of those guys that kind of fits that bill. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast before, you know, just surely in terms of coming in as a prospect, I think he may be the best athletic defensive lineman since Carlos Dunlap. Now, maybe you could make the argument for Dante Fowler. Obviously, Fowler's college career, you know, kind of proved that he was that type of guy being the number three overall pick in the NFL draft. 
But coming into college, I think Dexter, from an athletic standpoint, is probably a little ahead of even Dante Fowler. Uh, and you start talking about a guy that athletically fits the mold of a, a Carlos Dunlap, you know, you've got some insane potential. Like, it'll be interesting to see where he starts off, you know. I mean, he's got such versatility because of his explosion, you know, with at his size that I think he could start off at strong side end if, you know, they want to strictly work him coming off the edge as a freshman. Or, you know, if they if they think he's ready for it, they throw him inside and, you know, getting him involved as a, a disruptor on the interior. But no doubt, I think we're, we're all really excited about him. Uh, and, you know, I think the Florida staff is extremely high on him. Like, let's take a quick break. I want to get the latest from you on recruiting. I know it's been a busy couple of weeks for Florida. You know, we talked last week about a commitment that Florida had. Uh, you've updated us quite a bit, um, but there's been plenty more news and more on the way. So, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Stick with us, and we'll be right back on the other side, catching up on Florida recruiting. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, you know, our last podcast was a lightning podcast after Florida added a commitment. Added a commitment. Uh, since then, I believe we've had two more. Can you give us the latest on the newest additions to Florida's 2021 recruiting class? Yeah, you mentioned Marcus Burke. That's who we covered on the, uh, on the last podcast. Even before that, Florida had some good news landing a guy that's a, a 24-7 sports top 247 player. He's a, a higher on the uh, 24-7 sports rankings compared to the industry uh, generated composite and, and safety Donovan McMillan. Um, he's one of those guys that is, is you know, a really physical player, um, you know, has the chance to kind of move around, be that strong side type safety for Florida. Um, I, I think you could even, if, if you want to, you could be a guy that you bulk him up and you can even kind of throw him in the box some. So I think he's an intriguing guy and the fact that, you know, he's very physical, probably needs to kind of fine tune some things from a cover standpoint standpoint um, he's also a high level wrestler I mean he's just very physical um, and for me I think that you know, good tackling you know that, that's kind of something that's it's 
you can kind of teach ways to read defenses and such, but I mean, just being a physical guy like that is a little harder to teach. Um, so I think that that's something big there. Uh, obviously, Marcus Burke is another guy that, you know, a big, you know, tall, lanky wide receiver that can kind of take the top off of the defense, um, a, a big time target for Florida that, you know, we covered on that last podcast. But since then, Florida's added two more guys to the uh, 2021 class. Uh, they flipped an offensive center uh, this past Friday in Jake Slaughter. Out of Ocala, Trinity Catholic, he had been committed to Florida State uh, since earlier in the spring, got the uh, Florida offer following that commitment, Um, had, you know, kept up with Florida. I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, right up the road in Ocala, kind of grew up one of those Florida fans. Um, And I think that this was kind of, when the offer came, um, you know, it kind of seemed like it was a matter of time, just with a guy like that, you know, who's been a big time Florida fan, has been to camps numerous times, has a great relationship with John Hevesy. So I I think that was a matter of time kind of deal. And obviously that finally came to head whenever he made that commitment and flipped his uh, commitment last Friday. Um, And then Florida landed a guy after that, uh, the same Friday in Rocco Underwood, um, he's listed as a tight end by 24-7 Sports, um, and he has some offers at that position you know, from some smaller schools, but you know, Alabama and Florida had offered him as a long snapper. Um, he's a scholarship player for Florida. They've added him on a scholarship, um, so he will be a long snapper for Florida. A position that, you know, you don't really think a lot about, but, you know, from a special teams perspective, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, I don't even know how you really grade a long snapper. I do know that he is a five-star player on, uh, you know, the rankings that go towards specialists. Um, but, you know, I, I guess it's one of those players that you don't really think about, you know, in the grand scheme of kind of putting together your roster. But, you know, Florida got a guy that is as good at what he does. Um, so, you know, those were the newest additions for Florida on the trail. And he's got some uh, previous connections to former UF specialists, correct? Correct. He's cousins with uh, Johnny and Tommy Townsend, which I think some Florida fans may know who those guys are. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're, uh, that's that's a pretty good dynasty type family to tap into. <laughs> yeah, who knew, man? You know, you got the Pouncy brothers, but you don't have nothing on the uh, on the uh, Townsend Underwood family. There you go. All right, Blake. Well, uh, you know, I think there's some other prospects that uh, have moved closer to making decisions. Can you give us the latest on on that? Yeah, you know, Florida's had, you know, it's been pretty steady on the recruiting trail for them in July, you know, landing those commitments that I just kind of recapped. Um, there's some guys already in August that have set some decision dates. Um, you know, a guy like five-star Leonard Taylor, um, he's a defensive tackle from down in Miami, Palmetto. He will decide on August 6th um, between Florida and Miami. Um, this is one that, you know, early on, uh, you know, or, or really, I guess I should back up very early in his recruitment. You know, he was a guy that did think the, you know, the appeal of staying home, you know, kind of being one of those made in Dade, stayed in Dade type of guys, you know, that was kind of the feel from him early in his recruitment. Um, but, you know, man, Florida got him on campus a lot. You know, they really kind of showcased a really strong defensive, you know, sh- you know, team last year where they were really active in getting to the passer. Um, meanwhile, Miami didn't really have the greatest of seasons. You know, you have some losses there to some teams um, and, it, and it did kind of, you know, turn him off, so to say for the hurricanes, but you know, they, they'd got some juice, man, down in South Florida, you know, with kind of some of those local guys, you know, they've, they've, you know, just during kind of the dead period and the shutdown, it does seem like they've kind of got some footing with some guys down in South Florida. Um, I've actually updated my 24-7 sports crystal ball to Miami leading up to this decision. So, um, you know, we'll see on August 6th, but I, I definitely, I, I'm leaning that way with the Hurricanes. I think they'll be the pick. Uh, you know, another guy right there at Miami Palmetto that also set a decision date for August 10th is safety Corey Collier. Um, he's got a final three of Florida, Miami, and LSU. Um, you know, just kind of early intel from whenever he did set that decision, you know, it, it did seem like a battle between Florida and LSU. Um, I actually have put in a prediction for Florida on my end. I, you know, I, I don't know that he's really informed any team either way, um, but just kind of everything that I've heard leading up to this, you know, I, I lean towards Florida there. Um, I do think that LSU is probably the biggest threat, so to say, for Florida going 
going forward. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll have to see, you know, kind of where, if anything changes going forward there. But again, I, I do like my prediction for Florida, um, you know, leading into that August 10th uh, commitment. You know, another couple guys that haven't really set dates, but, you know, they've mentioned, you know, August, you know, well, you know, August sometime, you know, a guy like three-star defensive tackle Desmond Watson um, from Sefner Armwood High School. You know, he's a big body defensive tackle that, you know, kind of brings a little bit of a different dynamic to Florida with the sense that, you know, he's a really big run stopper type of, you know, plug and play, you know, plug a hole and, you know, you're going to have to double team this big guy. Um, you know, he's really good at pushing the pocket. And I think that's something a little different than what Florida maybe doesn't have on their roster right now. Um, you know, I know I said three-star ranking, but it's a guy that Florida's really high on with just kind of the difference in ability that he brings. Um, he's mentioned an August commitment. He hasn't really put in a date, um, you know, which kind of brings the fact that, you know, I've heard later August, you know, but for him not having anything directly said, I think you could see a guy, I mean, at this point, you know, with recruiting and way things have gone, you know, there's just been a lot of movement. Um, a guy that hasn't set a date, you know, I guess it could come at any time. Um, but I do like Florida for him. I've liked Florida for a while for him. Um, and, you know, A&M, Texas A&M is the other uh, finalist for him. But I, I do like Florida. You know, whenever the date comes for him, I, I do think Florida's the pick. I've had a, a prediction on Florida for a, a good little while now. Um, Nathaniel Wiggins, he's a uh, defensive back from uh, around Atlanta, High, or Atlanta West Lake High School. Uh, he's down to Florida, LSU, Oregon, and USC. I think LSU probably has the best footing right now for him. He will make his commitment on August 28th. I, and most of the crystal balls point to LSU for him. That's where I think I haven't put in a prediction yet. And, you know, I think that, you know, I, I'm okay with waiting and seeing how things go leading up just because, you know, I, I'm not in any rush to throw in a prediction just yet, but I do think LSU has the footing there. I'm um, another guy that I, I don't know that I expect Florida to be the pick, but does have Florida as a finalist um, as a junior college cornerback in Kyrie Jackson. Um, he will make his commitment on August 15th between Alabama, Florida, Oregon, and Oklahoma. I, I'm leaning towards Alabama there. I don't know that there's any kind of, you know, direct decision yet. You know, obviously there's still a little bit of time there for that decision. Um, I don't think Florida will be the pick. So I guess that's why I really haven't dug deep into that recruitment, um, but he is, going to have Florida, I guess, seemingly as a hat on the table leading into that. So, um, you know, another guy, Jason Marshall, five-star cornerback out of Miami Palmetto, um, you know, just kind of the trend of, you know, they've had uh, plenty of guys, you know, a, a guy like Savion Collins, who's been committed to Miami for quite a while. They just had Brashard Smith, a teammate there at, at Miami Palmetto that just committed to the Miami Hurricanes. And then I've obviously just gone down the list of Leonard Taylor, Corey Collier. So I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of these teammates of his have set decisions or have already made a decision. So uh, he actually... Uh, tweeted August 1st a while back and then since has deleted that or deleted that uh, tweet so you know I guess it's something worth following you know August 1st if that's maybe a date that he's you know looking at he hasn't confirmed that date he hasn't set anything there but I guess it's worth mentioning just with you know kind of this up you know slate of guys that are making a decision he's worth mentioning I don't know that you know he's obviously the one out of all this bunch aside from Desmond Watson who hasn't picked a direct date that you know Jason hasn't come out and said you know this is for sure the day I'm committing um but I guess it's just kind of a look inside my head which sounds like I'm rambling and going all over the place mainly because you know there's just no direct plans there yet but uh you know I think that it's been Florida Miami or excuse me uh Florida Alabama for him for quite a while he's added some teams like Miami LSU and Oregon to the mix um you know you can't discount the Hurricanes, I guess, with just how they've had some success in South Florida with some guys this year. But everything I've heard leading up to this, you know, even if there is a decision date or just in general, I think the landscape of that recruitment has seemed to be Florida-Bama battle there. Um, Florida's felt good. Alabama's in the mix, and they've obviously had a lot of success down in South Florida. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see on that one, I guess. Like uh, with 
with Florida already having 22 commitments and some of these, you know, commitments coming up, uh, you know, obviously you said you don't feel great about the Gators landing the mall, but uh, coming out of the month of August, I mean, it seems like spots are going to be relatively tight. Are we, are we kind of getting into the point of the cycle where Florida is going to be pretty choosy about who they take at this point? Yeah, I think you have to with just the sheer number of spots. I think you have to kind of prioritize guys that, you know, you need position wise or need wise um, and kind of see where things go from there. But, you know, there are still are some guys on Florida's board that are looking to make a decision later or just haven't even set one quite yet. So I, I think you're going to see them be a little choosy just from the sheer fact that, you know, that they've got a pretty full class now. Um, you know, and I think at that point, you, I think you even have a lot of schools in general that are loading up on a lot of commitments that are, are you know, with just the way that recruiting has gone this year with just the dead period and everything and guys are committing at such a higher rate. I think you're going to see Florida be one of those teams that's going to have to be a little picky with some of these guys. You know, you have to kind of figure out which spot you need and which ones you want to prioritize. So I think you'll see Florida, you know, kind of reset things and kind of see where their plans are going forward after they get to this busy August with, you know, so many guys that have a decision date set. Yeah, well, there you go, guys. A uh, lot, of, lot of recruiting news on the, the very near horizon. So make sure you stay tuned to swamp247.com. Uh, Blake will obviously keep you posted with all the latest and uh, it'll be interesting too, you know, to see, you know, how the NCAA goes about handling potential official visits, you know, in the event we do have games, whether or not, you know, some of these prospects that are making commitments, having not seen schools for really the last four months now uh, end up what, you know, whether that ends up changing the dynamics of, of the class going forward, you know, whether or not it's Florida or other classes where, you know, some prospects may become available that maybe aren't on the board right now. Uh, but Blake, that'll do it for us today. Uh, thank you for the update on Florida recruiting. As always, guys, Blake is all over Florida recruiting news on Swamp247.com, so be sure to visit the site. A lot of stuff coming up in the near future. For today, though, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.